Hello creatives and goodly humans. This is I, Edu Smile, and this is the Don't Think Act podcast. Today I'm chatting with Stephanie Ostriker, who is my second guest who left their country of birth to pursue um, a career in the arts. We'll get to know all about her journey. We'll get to hear about devised theatre and performing and uh, adapting to then performing on the screen and how that differs. And um, yeah, it's a really lovely chilled chat um, with a lovely chilled human. So thank you so much, Steph. Everyone else, enjoy the Don't Think Act podcast. Are you all set or do you need to do a couple of things? Um, no, I think I'm set. Um, <laughs> let's see how well I answer <laughs> questions. Um, that's a different story. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll soon. I'll guide you there. I'll get you there. Don't worry. Thank you. That's, that's my Thank job. You. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you are listening to the Don't Think Act podcast with Ed Ismail. Thank you so much for giving up your time um, for the Don't Think Act podcast. I um I had a I haven't I didn't I haven't listened to all of it, but I was listening to the first one that you did, and um uh, and it is it's just it's really nice just to hear about people talking about it. I'm just like oh, you know, and you know I think whether you are in 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 acting or not, just to relate, hear about people's stories. So it's always good. Yeah, and 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 hearing it from people that aren't at the top end necessarily that mm. don't have like every opportunity available to them and you know the jobbing actor and the person that does a variety of things and that's why you are perfect because you do some really interesting and different things as well <laughs> yeah. but it's i a more niche, but yeah. <laughs> yes absolutely uh everyone is welcome uh but i always start at the beginning mm -hmm. so steph where were you born um, I was born in Melbourne, Australia. Brilliant. And where do you live now? Now I live in London, in Islington. Cool. And did you grow up in Melbourne? Yes, I did. I was in Melbourne until I was 23 years of age. Um, and that was the first time I ever left the country. Um, but yes, so just, just a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't long ago. So I'm very fresh, right? Yeah. <laughs> Cool. And uh, yeah, so what was it like growing up in, in Melbourne? What was and and were you like are you the arty one in your family or are, are there other people that perform? Um yeah, I I I love Melbourne and I still do. Um it's a really fun city and there's so many things 
depending on what you're into, it's a very, it can be a very sporty city, but it's always known as like, or, you know, there's, there's other competition now, but um, the, the cultural city of Australia, that there's lots of galleries and festivals um, and that has got a, a bit of a European vibe to it. That's that's what it's claim used to be. Um, uh, my family, I'm definitely the arty one. Um, I, I'm the only one who's like gone gone into a career in the arts. But um, without it being excessively sort of thrown upon us, it was always, I, I feel like it was accessible when I was growing up. So, you know, like my parents were interested in, you know, different sorts of, um things and music and and tv and me and my sister were obsessed with um you know with our with our films growing up and you know so we're always performing together so it was definitely celebrated but not not overtly artistic I guess so how did acting first come to you um I mean my earliest memories when I was just at kinder I was I, I took performing very seriously. Um, actually, even before then, when I was just, um, I, there's four kids in my family. Um, me and my sister are the eldest. And we would even, yeah, we we did constant, you know, reenactments of our favourite films, um, singing, dancing, and it just, it always meant a lot to me. So, like, I, I remember that really, really young um, throughout primary school as well. But then probably in high school, um I like I I very like right at the beginning in year seven which I think is the same in England um year seven in Australia um like 13 I was like nope this is what I'm going to do and I made my decision like pretty much you know from then that I was going to follow that path cool yeah year seven here I think if it's still the same is 11 I think 11 years old okay um so you so you're at 13 so you're just hitting your teenage years yeah so that was first year of high school and then was it at, at that point that obviously you know you loved it but did you did you think that was what you wanted to do for the rest of your life or was it just was it just fun no 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 no. that's what I wanted to do nothing was ever just fun for me it um I don't think it still is <laughs> um, yeah I, it was like no I love this I'm going to do it I'm, I'm quite stubborn um like the other thing I used to do at the same time I used to be a swimmer or like a swimmer I trained in swimming wow. um I was squad um but I think the only reason why I did that is because after I finished you know got to the highest swimming lesson level um I got really stubborn so I had to keep going um I was like I can't just you know finish there so um when I decided I enjoyed acting I suppose I was like no this has to be yeah something I continue and do more of um and my school like it wasn't known for the performing arts but the teachers were really passionate um and I mean, I know one of my teachers from high school, you know, I've still been in contact, you know, as an adult with at certain times. Um, a lot of the people who I did drama with in high school are still involved in theatre in some way, shape or form. Um, so I think it was just a really nurturing environment um, where I was. So it felt like home. So I, yeah, was like, okay, I think I can do this. And so was that at that, time, at that point where you just, was it just, on stage that you were doing things you doing theater um predominant predominantly well that hard word was hard um however I was probably from like 17 upwards I was um, um looking for like short films 
and you know other opportunities as well so I was like yeah dabbling in little bits of film as well um nothing official like um you know big scale movies or anything but um I managed to find little jobs for myself and was really enjoying exploring um screen work as well um so that was that was fun nice and so um, well that kind of ties in my next question which is how did you go about getting training slash experience so you've got a bit of experience but so what choices did you make in, in regards to training um, what choices I made. Yeah. Um, training has been really, really important to me. It still is. I will train my entire life. I don't believe it ever stops. Um, and I probably did like hardcore training for about 10 years, um, if I'm being totally honest. That was with doing other shows um, and, uh, you know, projects, you know, in between that. Uh, but I went to drama school in Australia in a place called, at the time it was called, um, Ballarat University, the Arts Academy there. It's now called Federation University. Um, and it was in rural Victoria. Um, so it meant that I had to move away from home and was with, yeah, it was the first time that like, I like really like found my people, my best friends, you know, they all came from, from that time. Um, it was just, you know, it was, I guess I was exposed to a, you know, it was a general drama school, We've got, you know, movement, voice, um, scene studies, all of that. Um, but I discovered I really love physical theatre um, or just working with a physical approach. So as soon as I graduated, I was looking for more opportunities to explore that. So I did a lot of Suzuki and Viewpoints um, with just a small company in Melbourne, um, Zenzenzo. And then from there I met people and they told me about this magical place in Paris called Le Coq. Mm-hmm. Um And I went, what, what is this? I, I must go there. Uh, so I applied and then, so probably a year and a half out of drama school and then went to Le Coq in Paris for two years, um, which was, yeah, life-changing. Um, and then alongside that, I um, have also been really interested in um Japanese forms of theatre, contemporary and classical. Um, so I've done various bits of training in Japan and in Australia and in London, actually. Um, in uh, no Nihonbuyo, Buto um, as well. So it's, yeah, it's been a big, big, big mixture. That's, that's incredible stuff. I love that you said that you've never, you never stopped training. And I think that's, that's so true. Like we have to keep um, sharpening our tools, I suppose um in the industry and um i think that's brilliant you met that was a that was a whole heap of things you went through there i want to go back to a little bit i want to go back to look up um mm-hmm. if you could um maybe embellish a little bit on a on a on what you took away from from studying there um oh goodness so many things uh Lecoq, i guess the um you know the basis of it is about creating new theater is working from the body, it's very much movement driven. Um, it's about devising theatre. Um, and a lot of my practice today, I still work in devised theatre as a director, as an actor. It's what I gravitate towards. And I think a lot of that came from that time. Um, it just, it made sense to me um, because what I loved about about being there and the people who went there is that it wasn't just actors who went, it was writers, it was directors. Um, and it meant that, you know, everyone was like sort of working to these this this same goal, but they came with a different skill set or they had several skill sets that they were bringing to the table. And 
and I don't think I've ever been just one thing. I find it difficult to call myself just an actor. Um, I'm like, I don't think that describes me. Um, but in that environment, it didn't really matter. It was, you know, it was about the work. I think that's another thing. It was, you know, it, it stopped becoming about ego. And if you were fighting for what you wanted, it was you were fighting for the work, not just your idea, because you, you know, you thought you wanted to have the loudest voice in the room. Um, and and that gave you permission to be passionate about what you were doing. And, you know, it doesn't have to be polite. <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it was really could have been a bit more polite over there, but um, uh, <laughs> it's too much passion. But yeah, I guess that they're some of the the main things as a theatre maker I took. When you, when you say it could be more polite, what, um, can you give an example of what, what you mean by that? Oh, well, I think basically I had to toughen up when I went there. Right. Um, and yeah, in this idea of, you know, fighting for the work, it, it meant that yeah, like you, not not hitting each other, but I don't know, you know, like you, you stand up, stand up for what you believe in. And I remember going back to Australia afterwards and working on a project and I was probably a little bit too much um, in, you know, defending ideas and, you know, like having having that kind of energy. Um, so, yeah, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> so was there like a lot of tough love? Was it that kind of? Teaching? Oh yeah. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it was tough. Like, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. It, it, there were a lot of people who were not okay <laughs> um, <laughs> in that training. I, I, I do question how it would fly today. You know exactly. The, the, you know the way that it was treated. There's not mm -hmm. a lot of. Um. Yeah, like they, they, they don't hold your hand through it. That's for sure. Um. Which which is a good thing, but as well, it was it was quite exposing, you know, as an artist and a performer and someone who didn't really speak French very well, and you know, there was. But if you wanted it, you had to work. Um, mm. So yeah, it was it it was tough. It was tough. I don't know if I could go through it again, but I'm glad I did. And did you find that you you then had to acclimatize that way, or 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 is that? Do you respond quite well to that kind of um, approach? Yeah, I I do. I really love discipline. I really love like to keep working in a challenge. As I said before, I'm stubborn, so you know I will I will keep pushing. Um, but I think what's tricky when you're working in these environments, and I'm not saying that it's a bad thing that that it happens this way, but you know when you don't have space to process. Um, there gets a point where everything is just, it, it is overwhelming. And I definitely got overwhelmed in that time. But, you know, it probably, you know, I, I think you, you'll hear teachers say this in all sorts of different trainings that sometimes the most important lessons you learn from your training doesn't land for years later um, when you're ready to really process it and to act on, you know, these these ideas that have been fed to you. And I think that was very true for me. I definitely needed time afterwards um, before I worked out who I was as an artist and a performer. And like, I won't even lie, it's been 10 years since I've been there um, approximately. And and I actually now feel more confident than ever of the things that I learned and experienced then. Um, and theatre and art, it works on a different time. There's always this urgency and this feeling that, you know, it all needs to just arrive and happen. But it, it, I don't think that that's 
you know, authentically how it happens a lot of the time. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I know what you mean about um, things sort of clicking into place like much further down the line. It's just, it's just, it's, and it's sometimes it's thinking never things you'd never even think of that um, had kind of necessarily affected you in any way or that stuck with you. And then you get like, I don't know, some kind of recall. Either it's a physical one, like I said, it's like a muscle memory thing happens, um, or, or you just remember a piece. Of advice or something or to you or, or a method that just gets you through i don't know whether it's a scene or a piece of device theater i did i did device theater as well um so i rolled around for three years and they gave me a degree um <laughs> and uh you know i went very much with uh i started at a place called darsington college of arts and i i went there because what well, drama school was very difficult to get into because of the financial aspect of it um and I did get a place at one but I was really interested in going somewhere where I can mold myself and not to be too anti-drama school and I think I've mentioned this on a podcast before I'm sure I'll mention it again but you do see like there's a, there's a bit of a clone factory happening mm -hmm. and people aren't really individuals and it takes them even longer I mean it, didn't, it doesn't mean that once I finished that course I was the artist that I am now it's, mm. I'm only here because I've taken this, this long journey and I know kind of like what I want from from the art that I pursue, but um, yeah. So I went. I went really wanted to be molded, so to be able to mold myself. But I think it's only through sort of time and and practice and and mm. and these little sort of things get drip fed into you over time. The, the more projects you work, you do, and the different people you work with, and you know, it's it's lovely to have that kind of pullback if you like to something mm. that's from 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 a long time ago or to, or to figure something out and be like oh yeah now i get it <laughs> like it's been 10 years and now i get it you know yeah. um but uh i think that's the fascinating thing about uh storytelling is we're all it's a constant like problem solving thing isn't it i find i don't mm. know if you agree um yeah yeah, no, I think it is. But I think as well that sometimes we don't realise what we're doing as well, that some that, you know, a lot of this work, it sits in us and, you know, it's it's there and we just have to trust it. And then we can identify what, you know, what it all means later, maybe. But, mm. you know, like, you know, as the ball keeps rolling, you, you know, you're you are doing it. You have listened, you have learned. But um yeah, you it means something else, or you know, you can I don't know. Yeah, sit differently with it. And how did you end up in London? Um. Well, I I'm I am lucky. I do have a British passport from oh. my mum. Um. So she she was born here, and she left probably when she was about thirteen. Um. And so it was always something that I just wanted to try. Um. I. It was funny. The first time I ever came to London just to visit, I hated it. I I was like, I, it was while I was it was while I was living in France, and I was so poor, and it was like my first winter there, and I was I was really sick, and I was I was just was like overwhelmed. I was like, what is this place? Why does everyone talk about it? Uh, but I just couldn't appreciate it. And then I came back a second time, some years later, and I had friends living here at that point, and I was not 
terribly poor and sick like I was in, while while living in Paris. And um, I I fell in love with it. I was like, oh no, this is exciting. And I was really inspired by some of the things that they were doing. And one of my friends, uh, he had set up a you know his own theater company, and then others were just um yeah really really doing great things so I decided at that point I went back home and I started making plans that yeah I was I was going to move here and see what I could do I had that option so it seemed silly not to try um so yeah and then I did wait a few it was probably actually about two years later after that um I'd done a whole bunch of projects in Melbourne I didn't really have anything on the horizon I had to move out of the house I was living in I'm very much a person who makes decisions with their gut. Um, and I just decided that day, I was like, oh, okay, I think it's time. I think I need to make a move. So within three months, I packed up and left. And wow. yeah, that was nearly six years ago. And did, did you have a goal in mind or were you just you just wanted to come here and get busy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was work. Um, I, I, wanted, I wanted to see how I fit in London. I had my thing in Melbourne um but I guess I'm a hustler I like to network I like to see what's happening I like to be inspired and I needed something that worked at a faster pace or to try lots of different things and and that's you know like so I needed I needed a city like like London to explore that and it did not disappoint <laughs> I sort of landed and um, I was quite lucky as I was meeting people straight away of that obviously you know Australia and England have a good connection so I did know a lot of people here already um, and yeah momentum really kicked off quite quick so um, that part of the plan worked and then there was the pandemic but we got through that <laughs> um, and then actually things have never really been better you know since all that has been over i've always been fascinated by like, i always this maybe this is a question you can answer or not i'm not sure but like i've met and worked with a lot of people that have come over from australia and then of course there are a lot of people that leave australia uh and, and come to london and some do remarkably well i mean that margot robbie's done all right um <laughs> and but I'm I'm fascinated. There seems to be some really good training over there. So I don't know if this is a question you can answer, but like there are so many good Australian actors, um, mm. particularly on screen as well. Um, and I'm sure I'm sure on stage. Well, actually, I've seen a few. I mean, Sarah Snook is Australian, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah she's... I, so I saw her on stage before. Um, I saw her on screen, and. Yeah, I just what what is what's in the water over there? Because you're really bloody good. Um, yeah, it it is. I've been thinking a lot about what the you know the differences between like training in Australia and here, and there definitely is a difference. I mean, I now work in in training actors, and and it and yeah, it feels different. I mean, we do have less less schools, so you know, they each state probably has you know has one. Um. And, you know, the the community is a lot more, well, I guess it is, I don't know, I don't know if that would have anything to do with it, you know, that the community is smaller, so maybe that just sort of fuels something. Um, but distance, I, I Australia, it's, it's a blessing and a curse how far away it is from the rest of the world, because it, 
you know, we with technology and everything, we're connected, but also we're so isolated from all the other stresses and tensions and, you know, things that are happening in Europe. And um, and although Asia is a little bit closer, you know, like we're still at a distance from that. So we just kind of live in a little bit of, I don't know, our own world. And, and, and that, that creates, you know, different nuance, different, you know, relationships, different ways of approaching, seeing art, it means something different, you know, the distance, if there's an exhibition, the distance, those paintings have to travel to get to Australia, you know, you know, the mm. frequency of which we get to see things and do things. Um, when we get a job, you know, it's hard in London, it's fewer and far between in Australia, because we just don't even even though there is talent there are opportunities there are you know theaters we don't have the population and we just don't have the audience to put things on in the same way so that care that you want to put into your work you know there's more at stake um you know uh, potentially you know there's there's that time that time as well that you can take on certain things which you know it doesn't it doesn't work quite on the same pace i think as london with the same um, anxieties that can thrown into it, which I love, which is why I'm here. But uh, but maybe that has something to do with it. Have you have you observed a difference in attitude, perhaps, um, between there and here? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I I, I don't know. Like I, when I say this, it sounds it's negative. It's not negative, um, but. You know, like in in a place like London, you, it is the home of theatre. You know, for good reason. You know, great people have come from here. There's so many things, but there's there's certain expectation that comes with that. There's an ego that exists. Mm-hmm. You know, like this, and there is a naivety, and there is, you know, maybe oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for is. You know, but in the you know. <laughs> not grateful yeah no I can't I can't think of the right word but you know is an earnestness in you know in the way that that Australians you know approach their work um we have a reputation for working hard not even in theatre you know in customer service and you know this it's um it's something we're known for and which I'm proud proud of to be known for and um which I like to think I can bring into my work but yeah it's maybe less I don't know. I don't know. There, there is, a, there is a different attitude, though. That's I'm trying fair. not to offend anyone. <laughs> That's fair. Um, so, would you say your? Do you have a preference as to where you perform? Like, what medium it is, or is it still stage, or is it devising theatre? It feels really different these days. Um, I mean, I love, I, I love theatre, you know, and it's. I always I always will so I think that that will always be my favorite um I am becoming more increasingly interested in film however um and not just in traditional traditional film um in you know the relationship of different type of performance you know obviously as as a as a movement person I work a lot with um, uh, you know, well, yeah, physical performance, but then transposing that for film is becoming a bit of an interest of mine. And, you know, and that feels different to play in that medium, in that space with my body on the camera, as opposed to with an audience. So, yeah, I am, um, I, you know, it will always be theatre, but I do love how different all of the experiences are. Great. 
I always think about that. Um, well, for me, the first time I felt like I was an actor was when I had my headshots done for the first time. Mm-hmm. Do you remember having headshots for the first time? And what was that? I, like? Yeah. Oh, actually, I've got, uh, I remember two first times. Um, the first the, the first time would have been in, in high school when I decided I was going to be a serious actress and that's what I was going to do. And I joined a, one of like the youth agencies where they make you pay to be a member of it. And, you know, and they made me take these headshots. One of them had like a feather boa and, you know, like, a, you know, being fun and youthful. And it was, I think I've still got some proofs somewhere. They were terrible. Um, and then... Yeah, and then I've got my yeah my my drama school headshots, and uh, how much effort I put in to you know having my hair just right and my makeup and how much they meant that they were going to be they were going to make or break me. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're told, isn't it? <laughs> it's all about the photo, nothing else. You're trying to be headshot. It's all about your attitude yeah. or whether you wash. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, look all right in a ten by eight. Yeah, brilliant. And um, has there been a piece of acting or performing um, that you've seen on stage or screen that you that's really blown you away? Oh God, that's such a hard question. Um, I mean, yes, so many, so many. I don't know off the top of my head. I can talk about a recent film that I saw, which I just thought sure. was. Brilliant, um, brilliant performance. Um, I, was, I was actually when I went to Australia when I was coming back to London. I, I always, you know, catch up on the films then. And um, Tar with Kate Blanchett. Oh, I still haven't seen it. It's, she's so great. I think it's one of her best roles. Um, right. She's great in everything, obviously, but I thought her performance was like it was so nuanced and it was such a particular character that had this specialty of being a conductor of you know understanding the music and living it you know a person like that in real life would just like live what they do and 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 I just like watching it was specifically her performance sometimes you get lost in the story but I was I was I think I was more blown away by her performance and her living that role um you know in, in all of its as I say nuance which was really great um Oh God, I'm not thinking. What's my favorite film? I've got so many. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's someone that just can't do any wrong in my eyes. Um, she's another one of these. We've 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 had a few people come up on this podcast. We've talked about Florence Pugh. I know she's still she's still young, but she she hasn't put a foot wrong for me. Viola Davis, mm-hmm. um, but Kate Blanchett, just yeah, these these people are just next level, and you just think. Mm. How am I ever going to be as good as so effortless, but so I don't know. Controlled. At ease, ease in their presence that they can just stand there, yeah, and trust, and you, you know, and it's and you see them, but you see someone else. It's it's okay, you know, it's like it's okay if I see a bit of Kate Blanchett in it, you know. It's it's also enough, yeah. <laughs> and did you have any acting inspirations when you started? Um, I'm not sure. I actually don't know. I don't think so. I was just, I was just such a big art nerd. Um, I, I loved, I loved other worlds. I loved, you know, like my favorite sorts of stories. Um, you know, music, 
as well as you know film and tv were just these transformative things that could take me into another place and I think when I started to experience acting um I was like oh this is such a wonderful vehicle to take myself into these other places and um and change the mood of a you know of a place and live in this fantasy not a fantasy world but you know in this something adjacent to reality um that's you know and I, I think that was my main drive I was just so excited about yeah different stories in art and um you know different ways that things could be expressed and anyone who was passionate about it I would you know I would look up to so I definitely had teachers I definitely had friends I was lucky you know around me who felt the same way um so I think I think that that was my biggest drive something like that yeah no that's great and you, we mentioned um, the pandemic earlier. I wanted to ask mm. how, how it affects you creatively. Yeah, kind of really well. Um, it's I. It wasn't easy, and especially someone who who doesn't stop. Um, you know, I you know keep going, and I because I had done my masters just before I did my masters in movement for teaching and direction at Central, and I graduated at the end of twenty nineteen. Um, and then, you know, had, you know, started to get my first jobs in, you know, more specifically that world. And then there was a pandemic. So that all stopped. I was quite grateful. I didn't have too much work though, because the thought of teaching online was just like not something I wanted to do. Mm. Um, so I did a little bit of that, um, right at the beginning and then that eased up. Um, but I loved the, I love that I was able to have some routine because it created space that I could set aside in my day to, you know, just be and just, you know, allow that silence and stillness. And that's when ideas dropped in where I could start to feel who I was. Sorry, I've got a cat that's crying to get out of my room. I'm going to just... Sorry, um, I got a cat in lockdown. That, that was another thing I did. I um, know, you're a gorgeous cat. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, and uh, so I think I, the stillness became my friend and I I started to find ways of looking at, the, you know, this what was available to us like everyone did and, you know, we used Zoom, we used technology and um my other um, main part of my, my work that I do is that I work um, as an art model. Um, but I was able to, um, it gave a lot more autonomy to the models at this time. Um, and we had ways of creating these, you know, hybrid artistic events, you know, for visual artists, performing artists, models, and, you know, like finding a way to create these new communities the movement community, oh, my God, we had all these meetups and um, sharing ideas. Um, yeah, so all these, yeah, there ended up being all these little projects and things that happened. But also, I think I keep coming back to this um, in, in a few things that I've, I've answered with is this space um, and just remembering that that space is important. Um, and, yeah, so creatively, I needed that. I feel like creatives sort of really pulled together during that time. Yeah. Hmm. yeah um it was it was really beautiful I a lot there's a lot of trauma that 
I think a lot of people experience for various reasons. And I mean, why we had to do that, it's it's not, I, I, I truly wish we never will have to do that again and that so many people lost their lives and got sick and um, lost their jobs and and all of this was, was, was devastating. But it is in those times that you you do feel you know you, you you can know where you belong or you know who you want to be with who you miss mm. what you miss um and and those reminders can be invaluable they can also save a life sometimes when you can come back to that um especially if you get too caught up which you know i am so so guilty of that was really beautiful like i've never i've never heard anyone sum up that time like that and i think that's that was great thanks <laughs> that's really moved <laughs> um yeah but i think you're i think you're absolutely right that's so true you do when i think when you're facing something like that and you know it's not just you it's your neighbors it's just street it's everybody it's the whole country it's the world and it does put a lot into perspective um and yeah you, you, i guess you sort out what's important what you want and what I think is more important what you don't want <laughs> yeah yeah no that's a big one <laughs> yeah well, I think we all learn that too late in life hmm. like if I knew this you know five years ago a whole lot of stuff would have been possibly a bit better but anyway COVID, yeah, that was um, something to forget <laughs> and remember. Um, yeah, small wins. Um, I think I talked about this on another episode. I felt like there was, you know, these tiny, tiny wins out of such, you know, tragic loss. But um, um, it certainly did a lot to make people get motivated, I think. I think people started thinking about what it was going to be like when, when we come back, you know, what we can get into. A studio again where we can get onto a film set again and we can mm. get into a writing room or whatever. Uh, yeah, I, there is, um, you know, possible to have too much time off. <laughs> Indeed. Now, for the next couple of questions, you can switch out the word acting for performing or devising mm. or whatever your preference. So I'll just say the question and you can switch out the word in your head. Um, but what part of acting do you love? I think it's the fact that you can't do it alone. That there's always other people you're working with or people that you're doing it for. And and when you realise that, that's really nice. I love that. That's brilliant. That's the All best right. answer I've had to that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's the collaboration. Yeah, yeah, in other words. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's brilliant. So yeah. what, what part of acting do you not love? I don't like that feeling of desperation that comes into it. When you feel like you have to be doing something or there's something that's being asked of you out of desperation or, you know, like the, it, it stops it feeling real, feeling what, what, what it's intending to do, you know, kind of. A few different levels 
So in terms of the feeling, the desperation uh, on your own, yeah, yourself, is that yeah. is that when maybe doubt come kicks in about your ability? Yeah. I think it's 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 like a mixture of doubt and also ego, um, and you know that feeling like you should be better, you should be doing something, or that you are, and you, you let that cloud what you're doing. And it again, it's like is, is that what it's about? Is it? Yeah, and and it, it becomes really stunting, um, and you just don't enjoy things anymore. Um, I guess also something that I've learned over the years, which I think I really didn't like is feeling like you have to say yes to everything. Um, and, you know, that, that comes with experience, but you know, that, you know, it can put you in some really uncomfortable situations where you're, you know, kind of working with stories and, you know, things as well that you don't necessarily want to be working with. And, um and it's a risk it's a risk you know you don't always know where a project's going to take you and um you become a bit more savvy about that but I think it can be unpleasant as well at times um when you just feel like yes I'll do it all I'll do everything yeah I feel that I feel the same about like when you for me when I first started out about like when you're applying things just apply for mm -hmm. everything any acting job I could do yeah. that how do I know I can do it? I don't know I can do it yet. Yeah. You know, I've got no idea. But especially when you're just starting out, and you just think, oh, I've, yeah. just, I've got to be out there. I've got to be seen. I've got to be, um, you know, I've got to show that I can do all this. But I think, I don't know about you. For me, I, I, again, going back to things that you don't want in your life, I worked out things that I can't do and I shouldn't be putting mm. myself forward for. Um, yeah. Uh, because you want it to be good right like you just want to do anything yeah. for the sake yeah. of doing it like it's got to be it's got to be yeah. good it's got to tell a story um and like me i'm not a shakespeare person like yeah. i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't wouldn't do shakespeare because i know a hundred people that could do it a thousand times better <laughs> so what's the what's, the, no what's what's your what's your your like thing what thing what are you like to cast as or do you enjoy you know sort of falling into um well I started off I started off in theatre um but I'm very much in love with screen acting very much yeah. in love with uh yeah just complete movie buff and um but I love like the different problems that screen acting gives you um it's it's kind of a different you need a different kind of stamina than you do from doing stage and stage is tough you know anyone that does eight shows a week is just phenomenal you know still surprises me people can get up and do it and i've seen people like i saw glenda jackson do king lear a few years ago when she was 80 and she was doing eight shows a mm. week she was on stage for most yeah. of the time because she was king lear and you know, well. three and a half hour show and she was and i was we were all in awe because we we're like yeah. If we can have that energy by the time we're eighty, then you know that's that's success. <laughs> yeah. Um, but film has a different kind. Film is more about sort of remaining focused. You know, you spend a lot of time not doing acting. Spend a lot of time mm. wait, waiting for stuff to be set up. Um, and then you kind of yeah, you know, you've got the you can go again. It's not like theatre where you've only got one shot. You know, uh, editing makes someone look wonderful, and they can make them look terrible. Um, yeah. 
But there's something about the focus and the mindset that you need to be in. It's a different kind of yeah. cerebral approach that I think I'm just really fascinated by. It was um, just recently when I, I've been making a film, some post-production at the moment, and because I've been in this world of theatre for so long, it was the first time in a while I'd been, like, doing, you know, I guess more tra traditional acting, I'll call it that, in front of a camera. And the whole thing of, like, all these takes, you know, I think the first one, I hit the emotion, I felt great, you know, it was, it was cool. But then, you know, it was called cut because the cinematographer needed, you know, to change the lights. There was a shadow, there was this, there was that. And I just got, oh, I was getting so frustrated because I was like, I can't recreate that moment. You know, there's so much else going on and no one cares about me. No, um, uh, but it was, it was, uh, yeah, a very different experience to, to find what that moment is in this really, yeah, disjointed way. Um, which although I've done it before, yeah, coming out of working in theatre for ages, it was like, wow, okay, this is hard. <laughs> yeah, and that's the difference, isn't it? Because obviously in theatre you rehearse to get to that moment once a night yeah. or, or whatever, however often you do it. And then, so in, in on screen, if your moment is interrupted like that because of something technical or because of someone else, like there's mm. so many elements to play with. Um, yeah. Like you kind of have to find the truth in that moment all over again <laughs> for the next take. Yeah. And, 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 and it has to be, I don't know. I don't know if it has to be, but I feel like for me anyway, it's got to be different because then yeah. too rehearsed and you're not in the moment. And it's a hard thing to do. It's yeah. very easy for me to say. Um, I am. Um, I had the luxury with this, obviously being my film. I ha had a little bit of, you know, muscle on it. Um, but I went back. We were we were shooting at a remote location um, on a beach somewhere, and so I went back to the van and I like had a strop, and I was just like not happy with it. Um, and then we waited till in the end. Um, thankfully, I was working with some very nice people. And then we waited till the golden hour um, where the sun was going to be in a better position anyway. And just me and the cinematographer, we went out to the spot. And we're like, let's just do it again. Let's not worry about lights. Let's not worry about anything. Um, and the light's working for us right now anyway. Um, and just do it now and see what happens. It may not be usable, but let's just try. Um, and it was... Yeah, and, and it ended up being, I think, what we're going to use um, in the final cut. But, yeah, that was, as I say, it's not something that would happen on a, a proper film set but uh, until I reach diva status. But um, <laughs> what, what can you tell me about the film you made? You, you went back home to Australia to do it, didn't you? Yes, yeah. Um, so myself and um, Chris Bennett, who is a filmmaker that I've worked with for years, that we've just done a lot of experimenting together and you know trying you know um you know just trying to make some pretty things that was really how we started uh, he was my videographer for another company that I worked for um uh in, in more theatrical things um and anyway so years later we you know even since I moved here we still keep in contact um and we saw a funding opportunity from the International Jewish Film Festival in Australia and I am of Jewish heritage, so um, I was eligible. And we're like, oh, let's try write something, a short film. You know, it's it was $5,000, Australian dollars. Um, you know, 
and it will be an excuse for me to come back home to do something but you know long shot let's just you know blah 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 let's try so I wrote a script um we found out about it quite close to the deadline so you know it was it was a weekend job really um submitted it and then uh like a few weeks later we kind of forgot about it and um Chris got the call and he's like oh we 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 won the funding um so um yeah some months later I flew to Australia um and the film is called Stones it uses so I'm I'm you know it uses the tradition uh Jewish tradition of um putting a stone on a grave of someone who's passed now there's lots of different um beliefs of you know why people do that why they've done that for so many years um some of them have you know more spiritual connotations to it um others more symbolic um and something nice about a tradition like that is that it can mean whatever it means to you um i think with all traditions you know we reinvent it for ourselves for what we need and um so what i kind of looked at it as is you know the memories that you put into a stone that it's something that's permanent um and you know what that means so how do you remember someone um and you know uh, at the end of the day it's it's a it's a short story about grief um and how you you know process that um and but the main character of this story who I play Frida she um goes on a bit of a journey after losing someone that she loves where she's been numb to it but through um, encountering these memories that have put in, been put into these stones from different people about um, her auntie, who it is that she lost, it takes her on a journey to go and find where she wants to place the stones, which isn't necessarily on a grave, but on, so, but bring them somewhere that um, represents what she remembers about, um, you know, this person that she loved. So it's yeah, they're the they're the themes and ideas that are looked at in it. That sounds great. Yeah. Uh, what, what are you going to do with the film once it's finished? Is it going to go on a festival? So yeah. So um, part of um, winning the funding is that it gets a guaranteed screening, providing it's good enough, I suppose, um, a guaranteed screening for the festival. So it will be shown around Australia in October, November, I think it is. Um, they're launching the full program 21st of September. Um, so I'll remember after that. Um, so once it is shown at the festival then I'll be allowed to um submit it to other festivals so hopefully I can bring it to the UK as well and get it a screening here did you direct it as well yeah so it's kind of it's co-directed by me and Chris um obviously we, we were both juggling a lot of um a lot of things um in our respective skill sets um but yeah we shared the shared the directing responsibility which um which is a challenge but um but it was yeah but it was nice I think we'll well you know we're nearly at the final stages it's looking it's looking all right <laughs> that's brilliant that's so good oh I'm really looking forward to watching it at some point hopefully if you get a screening in London or something that'd be awesome yeah um do you have a funny or cringeworthy audition story Oh, <laughs> probably too many. Oh, one. Yeah, no, I do have one. Um, I can't tell you what play it was for. Again, it was it was some years ago. I think it was. It could have been sometime after I came back from Paris. 
where I'd gone through this very intense period and then coming back into Australia trying to work out what kind of an actor I was was now. Um, and so I was just auditioning for all this stuff. And a question they asked in the audition, like to see how well you could tell a story, was uh, it was about your first kiss. Oh wow! And that was just, yeah, and it was, and I was like really taken off guard by it. And um, my 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 story for that is is very cringeworthy. Um, <laughs> so I just remember being so embarrassed. And I think they wanted, you know, they wanted to see, you know, how you know the, that vulnerability of telling an, an intimate story like that. But I just remembered I, I I wanted to leave so badly, like it was, yeah, it didn't go well. Um, I'm not telling it now, by the way. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> you want to know now? <sighs> well, you have to imagine how horrible that was. <laughs> but then, did you have to? Did you then have to do like a scene after that or something? Or was that just yeah, like, that yeah? It was like a mixture of like telling this personal story and then reading a monologue and all this stuff. And I just yeah, it was it was all uh, it was all a lot, and I um, I left feeling not very good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, that was one of them. There's probably plenty more as well. Um, uh, Everyone's got one. Yeah. And um, do you do you have like any kind of preparation ritual before you perform, whether it's on stage or screen or wherever, or, or are you superstitious at all? Is it something you do before you act or perform? Yeah, I don't think I'm too superstitious. I I think I I just need to you know I like to be backstage I know like all like in the wings um mm-hmm. you know I really love to feel that space um that's there it's because it's kind of like a separation between the dressing room and the and the stage and it's this sort of you know so I feel like I always need to spend some time there um but no, not not really. I don't think I have too many too many rituals. The the wings thing has come up before. That's really interesting. Oh, really? That's, That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like that. I guess it's kind of a transitional period, isn't it? You're just mm. getting, just on the on the edge of leaving reality and going into whatever world you're about to create. When you, yeah, yeah, because you don't want to take too much of everything else with you. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> And um, how do you deal with rejection? Mm, I mean, I like to think, all right, but mixture. <laughs> yeah, it depends how it depends how much how badly I want something, um, or how badly you know that like, you know when you get that gut instinct that something went well that you are right for something that you know then rejection hurts you know because it doesn't matter how professional you are if you care about it then then you're going to care afterwards you can pretend not to but you do um I am getting better not you know not letting the little stuff um or stuff that I know isn't right for me get to me you know like there's sort of oh yeah it'd be nice if if I could get this so maybe I'll audition but but I'm not but you know even though it's not to do with you know skill or talent it's you know you just don't look the right part or um I have this <laughs> this complex about my hands because I've got really they're small hands and in so many things like 
when you audition for ads and stuff like that, you have to show your hands because they're going to do shots of yeah, them. Yeah. And if they do that, I'm like, I'm not getting the gig. Like, you know, because you want like a mother or something sophisticated. I've got like these, you know, child hands. And it's like, <laughs> do you yeah. genuinely think you've lost out roles because of your hands? Yeah, I do genuinely think that. <laughs> I'm convinced. Sorry, I shouldn't laugh because obviously that's like something that you take <laughs> quite seriously as a. As yeah. You know, that, um, yeah. So, I mean, it was I, it was obviously the no it it was obviously the only reason why I didn't get it is it had nothing to do with anything else. It was just my hands. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm still laughing. I feel I feel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how do you think acting or performing on the business has changed since you started? Um, well, I think that, I think a lot has changed, actually. There are so many, there's so much more variety of what it is that you can do as an actor, what you can get involved in. You know, there's been, um, within my time in the industry, I think this idea of immersive theatre um, site-specific theatre it's always existed but it's taken on a new life you know these companies are bigger now there's a lot of opportunity and that's what you'll go into a lot of the time um it's entered the mainstream you know, hasn't it particularly immersive theater. yeah 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 it, it, it fits along you know in the west end you'll have your immersive theatres as well as your stage productions and um you know so there's a lot more things like that um there it's you know, this is this is a good thing. Like, it is becoming more accessible to more people, which is a really good thing. And it means that there's new voices um, which are infiltrating into the industry. And uh, it's interesting watching it from an Australian perspective and a British perspective as well of, you know, looking at what voices, what what is an Australian voice, what is a British voice. I can kind of speak to both those places, um, experiencing it firsthand. Um However, in it also being more accessible, it does mean that there are, you know, all these different, you know, with technology that, you know, so many other, you know, people can start to saturate the market with things that don't necessarily have as much standing as, you know, like, you know, like refinement as, you know, like that has been required. Um, in the past sometimes you know so that can be a challenge to navigate um, through as a performer to make sure that you're working you know trying to involve yourself in something that's uh, you know well it depends what you know what you what you want to do it for but um, has the value that you're after Um, you know it is a very saturated industry in many different ways yeah Um, and it's only growing because of you know the technology that's wonderful in one way but also can you know uh make it make it difficult in other ways as well yeah no that's so true is there something that you do that brings you joy that's not connected to the industry um so something that i do or yeah well yeah i mean it doesn't have to be something you specifically do but yeah something that you know another whatever the pastime might be yeah. I mean, my favorite thing is, um, is music. Um, I don't play. I don't sing. I'm not a singer performer. I, you don't want me to do that. Um, I, but music has always been my escape. I think because it's not something that I directly do. Um, I work with musicians, um, a lot of the time, but, but even still, um, 
I think that comes from just a love of it and respect for it. So going going to gigs, um, finding new music. Um, I I don't do it anymore. I'm actually trying to get back into it. I you know I used to collect CDs and then they became uncool. Um, but I'm I'm trying to get some of my CD collection back from Australia and um you know go into charity stores and look at stuff that people have you know thrown out. Uh, yeah, I've got a vinyl collection too, but um, CDs are a bit cheaper right now. So I've been getting back into playing them, listening to you know albums in full that's not just on Spotify. Um, so yeah, that's that that's a big pastime of mine. Um, and I this sounds really boring, but I just I just love really walking and exploring, you know parks and like I'm not I don't hike and I'm not a hiker or anything but I just love just like walking and taking in the city um doesn't matter which city I'm in and just spending hours doing that I it's um it's something I've always needed needed to have and enjoy it's not something simple yeah and cheap so cheap yeah maybe that's (laughs) maybe that's where it comes from you know working class yeah like give me something i don't have to spend money on (laughs) so what do you know now that you wish you'd known when you started out um i oh it's a it's a good question so many things i think that all that doubt and unknowing and passion and desire that it it's not worth getting upset about all of that. It's about using that and and allowing yourself to really work through those struggles. And I feel like if I knew that when I was younger, you know, like it, you know, to almost cherish those that unknown a little bit more and, you know, just stop trying to find the answers all the time and to sit in that place. Um it's funny because that's what I tell my students all the time. <laughs> uh, but I, I feel like I definitely wasn't taking that advice when I was when I was starting out. But I think, you know, that is something you, you learn to embrace a bit later, maybe. What, what is it you teach when you mentally have students? Uh, so I'm head of movement. Um, so I, I generally, generally teach Lecoque. That's my, and devising. That's my specialty area. So I teach those classes. I also teach clown, um, which uses a lot of that all, you know, um, not knowing and vulnerability. Um, so I do that. Um, yeah, I guess that, yeah, they're the main things. And then I coordinate other movement programs. So I, um, yeah, I curate, I curated a uh, international theatre program um, for my students a few months ago, which was great. Um, yeah, and stuff like that. That's brilliant. Do you enjoy teaching? I love it. I never thought I was going to be a teacher. Um, I was so intimidated by the idea. And then when I went to do my master's, which was teaching and direction, I thought I was just going to become a movement director. I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Um, yeah, what's taken off is my teaching career and it fulfills me just as much as any other creative project um and i i didn't expect it but yeah yeah i love it amazing and uh what's the best piece of 
either advice or direction that you've received? Oh, that's it's another great question. It feels too big. It's just whatever comes to mind. It's not yeah. the definitive answer. Cool. All right. Well, I'll go. Like, there's one <laughs> thing actually. It is. Uh, if any of my friends from uh, who went to Ballarat with me listening, they'll probably laugh. Um, it was my voice teacher, Stephen Coston. He would always say, work from a calm place. <laughs> oh, and, that. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, so even if that's not true, it's something to consider. Maybe I don't want to work from a calm place. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, well, what, what place am I going to work from? You know, work, work from a calm place. And then, then I can break the rules. Is there a is there a book that you would recommend to help someone with their creative pursuit? You much of a reader? Oh, I'm just going to turn around and look at my book collection. <laughs> um, oh yeah, uh, there's a few. What, um, some, one that I really like is The Invisible Actor um, by Yoshi Oida. Um, he worked with Peter Brook a lot. Um, he's worked in yeah. Uh, it works, you know, with a very physical practice that is, you know, um, you know, is both Eastern and Western. It's got influences from both, um, which I think has some really great philosophies in it, um, which are, uh, which is a nice thing for an actor to uh, explore in their own practice. And ritual, you talked about ritual before, before, before um, performance, but um, ritual for training mm. um, and that discipline in the actor. Um, so I think... That's a really nice one. Uh, the Moving Body by Lacoste is great. Um, it was, I mean, I remember when I read it before I went, but it was so exciting. And before I really understood all the ideas and what the actual pedagogy was, it's written in a way that is accessible, at least, and stills, you know, um, a different way of looking at approaching performance, um, especially from a physical point of view and a devising point of view. Um, yeah, there's there's that also. Um, oh, hang on, let me just this. Uh, yeah, the spirit of no um, is by Ziami. It's a very old book. It's uh, all about um, the beginnings of no theater in Japan, which you know essentially was you know created around the same time as you know Shakespeare was writing plays, but from a you know an Eastern you know Japanese you know. Um, perspective and uh, it's beautiful it's beautiful it you know it talks a lot about the you know the function of the theatre itself but again there's so much philosophy and um poetry within that of how it thinks about the connection of art to the rest of the world um and I think that's yeah um a special book too great I've got one more, I've got one more question and then I've got some 10 rapid fire ones Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Go, go, go. Um, but uh, so before we get to that, is is there anything that you would like to achieve? Yeah. Yeah. Is there, have you got something in mind that you're aiming um, towards? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just I really want to keep you know exploring the scale of the work that I can make myself. Well, well myself with others. Um, you know, I I want to direct more. Um, although, like, I've kind of fallen into this, you know wave movement but I I actually see myself as a director a lot more these days and I want to explore that further amazing mm -hmm. Steph this has been just really inspiring I've really enjoyed this chat 
Um, so I'm going to finish this uh, how I've been finishing all my podcasts. Um, this is inspired by interview, uh, the French interview of Bernard Pivot. Um, he wrote end his interviews with these last 10 questions and he inspired mm -hmm. my favourite interviewer, James Lipton, who used to do Inside the Actor Studio. So here are your questions. It's just a, a first answer that comes to mind. Okay, I'll try. <laughs> what is your favourite word? Petrichor. Amazing. Pe Petrichor? Yeah. What is that? Oh, oh, it's really lovely. It's the smell of rain um, on the ground or after it rains on the ground. Oh, yes. Love that. Oh, I yeah. didn't know there was a word for that. That's fantastic. Um, what is your least favourite word? Oh, um, oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Mullet. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Um, other people who are passionate about what they do. And what turns you off? What turns me off? Uh, people have too much ego about what they do. Hmm. What is your favourite swear word? Um, uh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Uh, what sound or noise do you love? Noise. Um, I love the sound of rain. Thing. And what sound or noise do you hate? Um, oh, I get uh, people eating. Oh, okay. That's fair. Yeah. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Um, ooh. Oh, I, I would like to i mean i've always said i if, if i wasn't in a squ squeamish at the side of blood i would be a doctor but that's fair it's not yeah. gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> and what profession would you not like to do would i not like to do flight attendant <laughs> okay uh and finally if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say when you arrive at the pearly gate um all my past pets are there oh oh that's so sweet love it uh Steph, this has been so lovely is there is there anything you want to plug um uh, i think just uh maybe my 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 instagram is where i usually post things that i'm doing um it's got a stupid long handle which is stephanie.ostriker.movement um I wasn't great at marketing when I made that, but oh well, um, it stuck. Uh, and so I'll like put up when my film's going to come out and um, anything else. I don't think I've got anything else right now that's happening. Just that. Cool. Well, I shall I shall link it in the show notes so people can have a look. I love yeah, seeing cool. um, Tiger stuff. But thank you so much for being such a cool guest on the Don't Think Act. Oh, thank you for having me. It's so fun to talk about this stuff. Yeah, I could do it for hours. <laughs> well, that was the lovely Stephanie Ostreicher there. Um, thank you, Steph, for taking the time out to chat to me. I, I feel, I don't know about you guys, I felt really calm during that interview. I felt so like, I don't know if it's the stereotypical laid-back Australian, I don't know what it is, uh, but I just, I felt just so like, I just felt really good. 
and it was such a lovely, inspiring chat, and um, so interesting to hear about you know device theatre and Lecoq, um and anyone interested in device theatre should check out the books that Steph mentioned, um, and check out Steph's Instagram, which I will be linking in the show notes. Um, thank you, Steph. Thank you, everyone else, for listening to another episode of Don't Think Act. Um, we've got some great guests coming up and um, we've had some great guests so far so if this is the first time you've heard it please go back check out other episodes um check out my instagram as well on the don't think act podcast and uh if you'd like to be on it and this is one thing i do want to stress a lot of people think and these are some of the people I've interviewed so far. These are some of the people you've heard already will say to me, yeah, but what am I going to talk about? What am I going to say? Remember, you've all got something to offer. And I think that no matter where you are on your journey, you know, actors of all levels can learn from actors of all levels. So get in touch and let's just, let's just have a chat. Let's talk about acting, let's talk about creativity, talk about your journey so far. Might be a short one, might be a long one, but everyone's got their story to tell. And it's so interesting hearing about how people get to where they are and the peaks and the troughs and, yeah, the roller coaster of it all. And every other metaphor I can throw at this. <laughs> so drop me an email. Don't think act podcast at gmail.com. Get in touch if you want to be interviewed. Get in touch if you've got a cringeworthy audition story. Get in touch um, and give me some feedback about the show. Uh, let me know what you like. Let me know what you don't like. You know, this is for you. So, take care, everyone. Stay creative.